Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 40 of the GameCube was Cool podcast. My name is Neil. I'll be joined later by my co-host Mike Lane. Today we're going to be talking about real-time strategy games. I know I can feel you pulling away because this is probably not the genre for you, but don't worry, it's going to be a really fun episode. We're talking about games like Worms and Army Men. Neil's even going to review Little Nightmares 2, and Mike and Neil are going to celebrate the Nintendo Switch's fourth anniversary. And, of course, we're going to be covering eight games today, so I'll be reading the back of the cases now so we don't break up the flow of the episode later. Now, without further ado, let's get started. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. First up, Worms Blast. Go full blast. Fall in line for fast, furious firefights with Worms Blast. Your mission? Launch your Worm Marine into hostile waters and blast your way to survival through intense puzzle action. Are you ready, soldier? Then move out. Next up, Worms 3D. Join the party as battle ensues across multitudes of bizarre and incredible worlds. Grab your banana bomb, flying through super sheep or holy hand grenade, and prepare to wreak havoc on a dynamic, explosive 3D world. It's like nothing you've ever seen before. Next up, Goblin Commander. Unleash the Horde. Calls upon your skills and courage to destroy the enemy, pillage the enclaves, and scorch the earth. Wage war with a horde of specialized goblin warriors at your command. Another game on the list here is Future Tactics. Take your turn saving the world. Welcome to the future. It's not a pretty place. Not since the creatures took over, anyway. What's left is a ragtag bunch of human survivors who live in squalor, battle their multi-dimensional overlords, and wax nostalgic for better days. Now, a young boy named Lo, his sister, and a collection of fighters find themselves mankind's only hope for blasting the creatures back to where they came from, wherever that is. What a confusing plot. Next up, we have Army Men. Air Combat 2. The Air Cavalry is back with a vengeance. Plastro, the evil leader of the Tan Army, has enlisted the help of the villainous Tan Air Ace Baron Von Beige to help him set a trap for Captain William Blade. The Alpha Wolf Squadron once again takes to the skies with an onslaught of missions, incredible helicopter physics, deep gameplay, stunning cinematics, and exciting character interaction. Join the Air Cavalry as they face a host of challenging foes in their efforts to stop the general evil plans. It's real combat. Plastic Men. Staying on the same vein as Army Men, we have Army Men Sarge's War. It's war. On the verge of long-awaited peace between the Green and the Tan, rogue elements of the Tan army draw Sarge and his men out into the field. Out in the field, Sarge discovers a new and diabolic enemy, Colonel Malice, equipped with weapons that threaten the very existence of the Green Nation. With his squad destroyed, Sarge becomes a one-man army, out to stop Colonel Malice at all costs. Never count out a toy with nothing to lose. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to my little back-of-the-case segment here for episode 40. Welcome to the 40s. Uh, thank you so much for supporting the show thus far. I'm going to pass it off to Mike and Neil now to kick off the show. Mike and Neil, take it away. The GameCube, GameCube. was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Yeah, so Mike, anyway, to answer your final question, uh, my top three favorite Ryans would have to be Reynolds, Gosling, and then Seacrest. Well, thanks for uh, coming on the show, Neil. I really appreciate it, and yeah. uh, we hope to see you next time. No problem. Thanks so much for having me on, man. Bye. 
Well, that was Neil Gilbert joining us. What a nice uh, young man. <laughs> what a nice young man. <laughs> and and now we have Neil Gilbert joining us. Hey, Mike. How you doing? <laughs> Good. Wow, it's been a long time. It's been such a long time, man. I just finished Little Nightmares 2. Wow. Uh, I know you've been really excited to play that game uh, mm-hmm. for a long time now, and it does look like a really fun experience. Obviously, the first one definitely was. So uh, do you have a review for us, Neil? Yeah, it's going to be completely spoiler-free because I know a lot of people out there probably haven't played it. I'm sure yeah. there's folks out there who haven't even heard of it. It's not a huge It's not a huge game. It somewhat came under the radar. I heard of it randomly back in 2017, not long after the Switch came out. And I just saw this random YouTube thumbnail for Little Nightmares, and I watched the trailer, and I was like, this is right up my alley. Like, (laughs) everything I love in video games, like little puzzle-solving elements like Limbo, and then it's Nightmare Before Christmas-themed. So uh, now four years later, we finally have Little Nightmares 2, and again, not going to spoil the story or anything, so I'm just going to broadly say it's a very good game. Short experience. It probably took me four or five hours to beat, I would say. The puzzles are all really fun. Uh, Controls on PS4, okay. I'm sure it's better on PC. There's some levels where you have to use a flashlight to look around, and it's not easy to use a flashlight in a 2.5D space. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, it didn't translate well to uh, to controller, uh, to say the least. Yeah. But uh, my favorite part of Little Nightmares... Little Nightmares in general, is not so much playing the game. It's all of the fan theories after you're done playing it. Because the story is not concrete on what's going on. It's very much up to your interpretation of what's going on, like a dream. And I've never really played a game like that, where it's just completely fan-based. Everyone has their own theories as to who the characters are and what the world, what's going on in the world and who, how the game ends. Again, not going to spoil it. And I've just jumped down so many rabbit holes this week of just l- listening to what it could be and... I didn't know that there was comic books based on the game, uh, which Ooh. I probably should read. So there is, yeah, there is secondary reading that you could do for the game, but highly recommend it. Mike, I'm definitely going to lend it to you. Did I Did I let you borrow the first one? I can't no, I don't, I don't think you did, but I would love to play it. Yeah, I'll, I'll lend you both of them. They're really fun. And again, you could beat the two in like a weekend. Like it's, yeah. not a, it's not a huge time commitment. It just took me some time to beat because I've been pretty busy. But mm-hmm. they're very spooky. So if uh, if you like spooky games, I, I'm never to the point of playing a video game where I can't look. Like, you know, it's I can't play it. It's too scary. I've never gotten to play a game like that before. I, that whole like fan theory thing reminds me of a, a movie I saw recently called Cash. It's a French movie from like early 2000s. Okay. Um, and it's basically involves this uh this like kind of wealthy couple who keep getting videotapes sent to them okay um and it it gets like more and more kind of involved in their life and uh, they keep having questions about how someone is even filming them oh weird uh and it's yeah it's very it's it's not a horror movie or anything but it's a psychological thriller yes it is for sure and spoiler alert like they never actually tell you who it is Mm -hmm. uh who's sending the the videotapes and so uh, there's tons of theories online about who is actually sending it and some of them get really pretty crazy so interesting that just that's the first thing i thought of when you were talking about like you going down rabbit holes of fan theories on stuff i love that stuff i love it with indie spaces mm-hmm. when that happens you know yes. the, it's one thing to like theorize about what like the end credit scene of an avengers movie means yeah <laughs> but it's it's another thing when it comes from like an indie space where you don't really have that that backstory right and it's just cool to see a little tight community around this game that yeah. really like no one really should care too much about it. It's not gonna. It's not gonna like change the world or anything. But it's just fun to see people get into it, like really involved yeah. in it. And I really, I hate it when you see fan theories to try and make a bad movie good. Like, you bring, oh, yeah. like you bring up Marvel movies or Star Wars sometimes when it's like there's clear plot holes in the movie, and then there's all these fan theories about why it happened. It's like, no, no, it's just a plot hole. It's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the, 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 this game doesn't have plot holes. It's not supposed to have really much of a plot at all. It's just these two kids going through this nightmare. 
mm-hmm. you're supposed to sort of interpretate what's going on in their dream and you know, there's time loops and where in the timeline it takes place. Is it a sequel or a prequel? Like that's, it's to the point where people don't know if two is a sequel or a prequel to the first one. That's how, like, that's how obtuse the story is. It's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. So I I love stuff like that. That's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons I love Dark Souls too, right? And the fact that nothing is ever spelt out for you, you kind of have to find things on your own and come to your own conclusions, which I think whenever you do that in a game, you'll always get, uh, get a, a larger fan base just by, just by doing that. Exactly. I don't need it in every game, but I think like no. one, once every so often, it, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. In a genre game like Little Nightmares, like mm-hmm. in that kind of dark, spooky kind of yeah. style of games, I think that's like the right way to, to approach it. Yeah, it's very Burton horror. Like it's not like gory. At yeah, least not, I don't not like it, Resident Evil. No, no, no. It's not. It's not that type of thing. It is jump scary, and there are dark scenes and and everything. Ah! <laughs> You okay? <laughs> I just had a jump scare. For a second, I thought somebody just stabbed you. <laughs> but yeah, no, highly recommend Little Nightmares 2. It's on everything. It's on PC, Xbox One, Xbox, New Series X, PlayStation 4. GameCube, Engage, Gizmondo. Ooh, love that Gizmondo. <laughs> yeah, it really is on every platform uh, mm-hmm. except the Vita. Yeah, no, the Vita can't <laughs> handle it. <laughs> Uh, kickstarted speaking of switch mike the switch just uh, celebrated its fourth birthday happy birthday nintendo switch that's just crazy to me i did I post uh i posted my initial reaction with friend of the show harrison i remember that video on her story mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and uh that was uh that was a fun time when i first got it that's the only console and probably will be the only console i actually lined up for and yep. waited in line and you did the same on march 4th uh march, march 3rd march 3rd yeah. Uh, when we bought it in 2017 and it was a really fun experience i'm mm-hmm. really glad i got to do that and uh yeah I yeah mean... just like you i happened to have a doctor's appointment that day so i just booked the whole day off work uh, <laughs> <laughs> you might as well at, that, at point. that point yeah like i just said look i can't work today so i yeah i picked up the switch had it pre-ordered obviously got it with breath of the wild and adored it from the start i played 200 hours of breath of the wild and that first year was legendary in terms of a nintendo first year almost as good as gamecube i remember four years ago like long before we even talked about doing this podcast we were just talking about how this is very similar to the first year of gamecube which had you know a smash bros game a mario game a luigi game like just all of these games that came out in the first year that just really Mm -hmm. made the library strong terrible launch day for uh for switch for switch Uh, well it had breath of the wild i don't know who else was buying what uh, what anybody else was buying like one two bomberman and one two switch (laughs) one two it had some good indies right off the bat though like if you remember there was that fast rmx came out fast of course snake Snake pass was almost right away those were two really fun indies but yeah like it was weird that they they Release Mario Kart the next month instead of just making Mario Kart 8 Deluxe a, a launch game. That, Mario, that felt really weird to me. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, fun fact, came out on the same day as Little Nightmares. Oh, I very got the cool. two. I bought the both on Amazon, and they both came <laughs> in on the same day, which was funny. I, Mike, I wanted to ask you now. We're four years into the Switch's library, so just really quick, if you you know had a desert island uh, and you had the Switch with you, what five games would you hope you had with you? Oof. Now, th- these aren't necessarily your favorite games, but these are maybe games you think you'll get the most time out of, the most enjoyment out of, replayability, mm-hmm. a bit of diversity, too, in the games. Like, you're not going to pick all racing games, obviously, so... I can give you a chance to, well, you might. <laughs> Nickelodeon Kart Racers, five copies of those. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I think I'm just going to lock that in. I can give you mine if you want. Yeah, you, you go first. Okay. So if I had to pick uh, my, my five Switch games uh, in 2021, uh, four years later, I would have to go with Breath of the Wild, obviously. That game is almost endless. Uh, yeah. I, I could play the story again and not get bored. I'll never forget. 
it might be hard to go back to it a second time thinking back because I just remember some of those experiences, you know, finding an island for the first time, seeing a dragon flying through a mountain for the first time was just so magical. And I don't think I ever played a game before that, uh, like Breath of the Wild. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, Super Mario Odyssey, uh, probably the best 3D platformer on the console. I don't know if it's my favorite 3D Mario game, but it's what we have. Uh, Fast RMX, which I talk about all the time, is basically the F-Zero game that we're the only F-Zero game we're going to have on the mm-hmm. console. So Fast RMX. I'd have to go with Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, even though I'd be there by myself, I suppose. But I love Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, as long as I have you guys with me. Mm-hmm. And then finally, <laughs> uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which I think is a fantastic Mario Kart package. It's not my favorite Mario Kart. Uh, mine is Double Dash. Yep. But Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, I think does Mario Kart very well. It has the most, you know, to offer. But it's it's a really graphically amazing game. It's basically the Wii U game over again. Yeah. Uh, and I remember just playing the N64 remake of Rainbow Road and tearing up when I played that on the Wii U because it was just such a good representation of oh, what so I remember. Good. Like, it didn't, it didn't remake the N64 track. It just made you think, this is what I remember it as. Yeah. Even though it's not, you know. That's what a good remake does. Yes, exactly. So, Mike, those are my five. What would you say? Well, those were a great five. I uh, love those. Hard to follow that up. Um, <laughs> but I will say definitely Breath of the Wild, obviously. I remember mm-hmm. when I first played that game Saturday morning after the Switch came out on Friday. Uh, and just like hearing the birds chirp around me and every, like uh, I, like the surround sound basically with it, which is pretty magical to, to find that in it's a, a walk in simulator. Game. I guess yeah. simulator. Yeah. <laughs> and then Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, like you said. Cool. Great game. Mm-hmm. Super Mario Odyssey would be my third. Our I list is Odyssey. sounding very similar right now. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I will change it up, though, okay. and I'm going to do Dark Souls Remastered. Ooh, okay, cool. Because I could play Dark Souls. I, I love that game. It's like my favorite game. And, so... and, the, and the Switch port, you think, is, is uh, loyal to the original? I think, I think so. Good? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I had no problem playing it. I know people at first were like, "Whoa, like Dark Souls on Switch," but yeah, it does a good job. Mm-hmm. And I would say Smash normally, but I want to keep it a little more, a little different. Sure. And I'm actually gonna say uh, Tetris '99. Oh, okay, cool. As long as I had internet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I would say just a Tetris game. Like, I think you can play it offline now. No, like by yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I think you can. Tetris, yeah, I think, yeah. is just the answer. Yeah, a- Animal Crossing is definitely an honorable mention there. But I feel like I, I feel like. Animal Crossing has an end date, you know, like there's only so much, right. there, I mean, you can do everything, but there's only so much I would want to do. I suppose so. Tetris 99 was a game that came out to Switch that no one was expecting. No. And, and it's fantastic. I play yeah. it, I'd say I play it once a month. Yeah, that's 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 good. I mean, hey, that that's pretty good. That's better than probably most games. Like we probably each own between us like 100 games. And how many games do you own that you play once a month? <laughs> I'd say almost none other Just than that. Tetris 99. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good choice. I love. I remember when that came out, and that was it's free, right? It is, yeah. Yeah, free as, long, as long as you have the Nintendo subscription. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's a pretty good list of games. Uh, Switch, uh, happy fourth birthday. We hope, Hopefully we have you around for another four. Really looking forward to Pokemon Snap coming out later this year. Mm-hmm. Mike, you had an, an opening topic for me today. Uh, why don't you let me know what that is? <laughs> well, Neil, after we've had our 10,000 downloads, which we've been celebrating over the past two weeks now. We're going to keep celebrating it. Until we're going we to keep celebrating it <laughs> until we get to the next number. Uh, I, have a, I, I was looking at some of the stats and I realized that there are a lot of countries out there that we probably have neglected in doing shout outs to. And just, you know, there's a lot of countries out there that only one person has downloaded our show. And I kind of love that. 
that's really fun. Now, is that one? Is that one episode has been downloaded in that country, or there's like one person that keeps downloading? No, no, episode? just one episode. One oh. person downloaded one episode. Okay, so we're giving a shout out to a country that they might not even be listening anymore. So that's that's good. right. All right. Well, hey. All right. How many are there? I think there's about fifteen. Oh, geez. All right. Did you want to read them all? Or? Yes, I'm ready. Oh, okay. I got go, them right here. Go for it. All right. Well, we got some Eastern European ones like Ukraine, Belarus. Uh, Russia as well. Russia with only one was one. actually pretty surprising to me. I thought it'd be more than that. How many of those people own GameCubes? Uh, not enough, clearly. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> uh, we also have some Central and South American countries like Ecuador uh, and Peru, which have blessed us with uh, one download each. So thank you uh, <laughs> to people there. And we have some Asian countries like Kuwait, Pakistan, Thailand, and Turkey. So okay. thank you to you guys as well. Wow. Uh, and then we have some interesting ones. We have actually, they're technically countries, but technically not. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, the Isle of Man and Jersey uh, in the UK. So I didn't know anybody lived on the Isle of Man. <laughs> I, people live there, I guess. And, and Do you think I'm, maybe someone was on vacation traveling and they just downloaded us from their phone while they were visiting the Isle of Man? I can't. I think they downloaded Sunshine. The uh, Sunshine episode because they wanted it to feel like Al Delfino. Makes sense. You can only download <laughs> that episode on an island. That's the new law. <laughs> That's why Jersey and Isle of Man, both <laughs> islands, you know, that, it would make sense to me. And Long Island, of course. Of course. <laughs> That's cool. I, I mean, last week, Mike, when we read the uh, uh, the comment from uh, the English England listener, uh, you said, you know, it's crazy that someone from England is even listening to us. Same goes to anybody who even chose to download our podcast once from all these countries that you and I will probably never go to. Just the fact that someone out there heard our voice is completely mind-blowing to me personally. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's my, absolutely mind-blowing to me every time I see anyone downloading <laughs> from anywhere, honestly. And just the majority of our listeners are from the States, which we only know between the two of us. Some of your family lives in the States. We have one mutual friend that lives in the States. But other than that, Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody down there. It just means that we've we're speaking to the masses, Neil. We're speaking to our our little brothers down south. I think it's our big brothers. I'm pretty sure we're the little brother. They they definitely outnumber us people wise. I was thinking, I mean, most of our land is inhabitable because it's all none of it. I think just <laughs> none of it just got it all. We could just yeah. relocate to none of it. Did I ever tell you about the story of um? So I worked at a company. That Carfax, uh, which in the, in the States, uh, mm-hmm. whenever you buy a used car, you uh, go through Carfax to get the vehicle history report. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had it done for all 13 provinces and territories in Canada. And a friend of mine who worked with me had to monitor the lines and make sure that we were getting in the correct data and making sure that it was consistently coming in and not uh, reports weren't kind of on hold. Mm-hmm. And none of it always had issues. <laughs> <laughs> One time, kids you not, they he called and to ask what the problem was. And they replied with, a polar bear ate the line. <laughs> wow. Do they just mail everything into you? Because they, what's their <laughs> Wi-Fi service like up there? I don't mean to sound offensive. It I guess, yeah. You can't dig through the permafrost, right? right? So a lot of the, the a lot of the wires are just on the ground. And so a couple of times a year, the polar bears will just go, you know, see if it's interesting and just chew through them. That'd be terrifying. I'd love to go to none of it someday, though. Like, it sounds neat. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because to us, like, we're in Ontario. We To us, none of it is how the rest of the world think Canada is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're the Canada of Canada. <laughs> That's a perfect – that really should be none of its slogan. The we're Can- the Canada, Canada of Canada. I saw a license plate the other day that was for New Brunswick, and it said, like, nice. Canada's ocean playground. And I was like, nobody yeah. calls you that except – you. <laughs> All right, Mike, I think now it's time for our new favorite segment. What do you think? It's time for the mailbag. Mail 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is the mailbag where you can write us a review on any social media or on your podcast service of choice, and we will read it on the show, just like Walla147 wrote to us today. Walla says, love the show, guys. I thought I knew most GameCube games, but listening to your podcast, I'm finding some hidden gems I've never heard of. Great guests and chemistry. Keep up the good work. Listening from London, England. Another England listener. Another England listener. The way the way you said that, uh, I, I, it sounded like it was going to be a song. Like, I never knew many GameCube games there were. Ooh, that that could be like a little new age like pop song. I could see Annie Lennox singing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like I'll, that. You know, because to keep it with this this Britain feel that we got mm. going. Yeah, that's two English uh, listeners in a row now. I know it's great. Again, uh, thank you so much for downloading, listening. Mm-hmm. We really appreciate it, and thank you. Who was that? Walla. Walla one forty seven. Waluigi147, thank you so much <laughs> for writing in. It means the world to us, and, and honestly, yeah, couldn't thank you enough. Yeah, thank you everyone to write in. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 40 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. We have new episodes every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. Follow us on Instagram, at the GameCube pod. Visit at our website, thegamecubeiscool.com, to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. That's me. That's you. Last week, we covered open world and M-rated games on the Cube, games like Gun and True Crime. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we're covering eight games. They are tactical and real-time strategy games. We're talking games like Worms, Army Man, Battalion Wars, and Future Tactics. So, Mike, just real quick, have you played many RTS games? This is not a genre that you and I talk about too often. No, and I think it's a genre. It's a definitely a very niche genre. I feel it's mm-hmm. it's it, there. There are very few big mainstream games that are RTSs. I know Pikmin is technically an RTS. We're not talking about Pikmin today, but yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, but and that's that's probably I'd say that's probably where you would have the most experience with it. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly, you know what my like tactical and like RTS kind of style of, of gameplay has been yeah. is like as a kid playing in the sand with army men. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. That's a good, that's a good analogy. I was going to talk about that because we're talking about army men later. I used to love playing with army men. I even dabbled with uh, Warhammer for briefly. Me when too. I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. Like painting the models and playing those. In the Cause I, I think you and I both had space Marines. Yep. You and I had space Marines and we had and a friend Cal had a uh... Tyranids, basically, yes. basically alien from alien. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are a ton of fun. But those are basically tabletop real-time strategy games. And that's kind of where RTS and Tactical, I know we're kind of, I know they're not necessarily the same thing, but we're, we're mixing them together for yeah. just ease of use here. <laughs> yes. But um, that's kind of where it started was, you know, military tactic games. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the original kind of tactical RTS style of, of mm-hmm. gameplay uh, that people would do on on a, just a board. Uh, it usually required a lot of military theory and history to play these games. And there's still tons of them out there mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the tabletop versions. I Whenever I go to hobby stores or game stores, I always see lots of these military game and booklets mm-hmm. um, that they, they create. And it's a very, very... Um, in-demand thing mm-hmm. and obviously a niche market but it's a very passionate market yes it was big in the 90s i would say on pc that's really when the the, the term was coined was yes. in the in the 90s uh, to market the game dune 2 not doom mm-hmm. dune d-u-n-e 
games prior to that, there were games with uh, real-time strategy elements. They just hadn't coined the term yet. The oldest game that, that I've found recorded was a game called uh, Utopia in 1981 on the Intellivision and the Mattel Aquarius, which is a console I've never even heard of. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be in the next episode. Is all about the Mattel Aquarius. I have a, a better idea, future podcast idea. Is that... <laughs> but yeah, that was kind of the earliest iteration of the game or of yeah. the, the genre. Uh, and I actually, Mike, you mentioned military terminology. I actually found military definitions for uh, strategy and tactics. So in general terms, military strategy refers to the use of a broad arsenal of weapons, including diplomatic, informational military, and economic resources, whereas military tactics is concerned with short-term goals such as winning an individual battle. Yes. And so real-time strategy tactical games is more like active battle. So you're shooting someone shooting at you or stabbing or whatever it is in terms of action it's all live uh that's compared to a game like pokemon or certain final fantasy games or fire emblem which is huge nowadays which is turn-based uh, strategy tactical so you pick a move you attack your opponent picks a move you attack i'm not so much of a huge a big fan of those games just because there's always that the aspect of missing yeah. sometimes <laughs> i actually have a bit of a history with rts games from before pikmin Pikmin is my favorite RTS game for sure because that's Nintendo's take on it. But as a kid, when I was young and we had our PC, I was actually very much into Age of Empires. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is basically like you have an army, you're in uh, medieval ages, you make an army, you attack other people, You it's resource management, you have to build buildings and, and progress. And then there's also a Star Wars version of Age of Empires called uh, Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds, which... If you have a Steam account out there and you have five bucks rolling around, buy that <laughs> game. It's, it's I think it's five bucks. It's so much fun. I have easily hundreds of hours on that game as a kid. It's so much. Yeah, you, you can play as the Trade Federation, the Galactic Empire, the Gungans. You can pick any uh, team or species from Star Wars and you build up armies. You, it's so much fun. It's Dude, it's so cool. I love it. I know a friend of the show, Marty, is a huge Age of Empires fan. I hope he's listening right now. Mm -hmm. To be honest, I never really got too much into those games. I got, I mean, for me, I was really about roller coaster tycoon yeah. and things yeah. like that which is technically our tactical kind of style you know kind of game it's active yeah real time there is real time strategy elements to a tycoon game because yeah. you have things happening there's natural disasters your guests aren't happy or anything so you have to make decisions you're not attacking it's not like a war but yeah i can see that yeah yeah so basically what we're trying to say i think is that tactical rts all that those kind of genres are very very broad and very catch-all Mm -hmm. And obviously, we can't do every game that's in those genres in this episode, but we're going to be doing some of the ones that we think stand out. Yes, exactly. And actually, some of the games that we're talking about today are not RTS, like the Army Men games. There's three of them today, and two of them are not RTS games. One of them's a straight-up flight simulator, so... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Mike, so I think the first game on our list today is actually a series of games that was very popular in the 90s and into the 2000s, and it's a series fans of video games may know and have probably never played. It's called Worms. Yeah, I think this is one of those games that most people have come across at some point in their life or knew that weird kid in school who yeah. was obsessed with worms. I guess. <laughs> to me, to me, this is Crazy Bones. The characters look like Crazy Bones. I know. I was That's like, always what I associate them with. This and, and they really are, I'd say, like... I mean, people probably won't like this this comparison, mm. but I think they really are the precursor to Angry Birds. Yeah, I can see that. I, I think that's probably the best way to, to summarize it for someone who's never heard of Worms before. It bridges the gap between Lemmings and, and Angry Birds, really. Yeah, and so that's kind of where it got its start was mm -hmm. uh, Team 17 
uh, who actually have gone on to do a lot of great things, a British developer, and they currently create the Overcooked uh, games. Oh, really? Uh, yes. Yeah. Wow. So, and, and they do a lot of other things as well, but Overcooked, I think, is their big passion project right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, they kind of created the Worms games from a Lemmings clone. Uh, they were just making these uh, Lemmings clones when they were in college. They thought, hey, this is if people are having fun with this, we might as well clone it, make it a game, and like reskin it. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and so reskin it, they did. <laughs> yeah, they reskinned it with these kind of worm esque characters, uh, who all have very wacky personalities, very unique, very interesting. But yeah, that that was kind of in the early '90s, and that's kind of I think when the first Worms games came out. Yes, that's right. So Worms came out. The first game was 1995. Mm-hmm. And uh, like you said, it was basically a game they were making after Lemmings. The The game was originally called Artillery. It did not feature worms. They didn't come up with that idea right. until a little bit later. The creator of the franchise Worms was Andy Davidson. Uh, he was a part of the team from the, the early, uh, early games. So from 1995 to 1999, uh, he left after the release of Worms Armageddon, and he was gone until 2012, where he came back to help uh, release the game Worms Revolution. And then left again in 2017 after Worms WMD. So he, uh, the main brainchild behind the series, has been on and off, mainly due to creative differences. He came Mm -hmm. back and left over and over again. So the game has, or the franchise has had its ups and downs, just like anything else that's been around for 25 years. It's going to have its ups and downs. And there's 23 games in the series as of today, uh, spanning across all different platforms from PC to Nintendo GameCube to the Engage, of course. Of course. Of course. So, Mike, we have a guest joining us today to talk about uh, two of the Worms games, which are on the Nintendo GameCube. Joining us, friend of the show, Jason, will be talking to us about Worms. Okay, joining us now is friend of the show, Jason Hotch. And, and Jason, we have a question for you. Did you have a GameCube? I actually did, but I didn't buy it new. I actually bought it secondhand from someone at Cambrian College in Sudbury. Oh my god, mm. what a reference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're going deep here. Uh, so it would have been 2004. Mm-hmm. I think I just saw an ad at like the laundry and somebody was selling their GameCube for like 150 bucks. And I'm Whoa. like, okay. That's expensive. Was that, did that come with any games? Oh yeah, it came with, yeah, it came with Mario. Uh, it came, sorry, it came with like Double Dash. Okay. It came with Zelda. It okay. came with a whole bunch of games oh, and yeah. like three controllers. So I was like, oh, okay, wow. yeah, that's so- down. That sounds like a, like a younger sister who doesn't know what things are worth. And it's just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, GameCube, no cables. Uh, the top, the top lid is list, uh, missing. 150 bucks. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Does it still work now? No, but uh, that's what the Wii's for. Yes, exactly. The, the GameCube Slim. The GameCube Slim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, the GameCube Slim. <laughs> That's funny. And now, Jason, you have experience with the Worms franchise, uh, not the ones on GameCube, because as we're going to talk about, these games aren't great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, no, not at all. But the no, Worms, one bit. the Worms <laughs> franchise in general is a really interesting franchise. I said before you came on that Worms, to me, I always associated it with that weird kid in school who was obsessed with Worms. Were you that weird kid? I was going to say, are you making a personal attack at me now, Mike? Because this is recorded and you want it on record? That's right. Like, I don't appreciate this one bit. Uh, no, I actually, uh, a few of my friends would come over and play Worms, but we were more Worms Armageddon players. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that game, that game ruled. I was watching a couple of clips of it again, you know, to refresh my mind, because it's been probably about 20 years since I played Worms. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that game was awesome. 
Is that I on PC? Absolutely would play that game today. Was yeah, it? it was PC. Okay. And people are still playing it to this day, like multiplayer. Yeah, yeah. That game is always considered like one of, if not the best Worms game. It's a ton of fun, especially yeah, multiplayer online now, I guess. And there's a lot of fan-made mods to it. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw those too, but like it's it's got a Worms has a really dedicated community. I haven't seen those mods, but, you know, it is my, something I might look into. Uh, I was speaking to another friend of the show, uh, Will Kemp, there about it really briefly. And we were talking about the new worms that came out for, like, the PlayStation. The Battle WMND Royale one. WMND or whatever. Yeah, but it's it's real-time. It's not turn-based. So what's the point? Like, Worms <laughs> is a turn-based game. Yes. Well, they, they've tried other genres over the years. Like, there's 23 Worms games, and, like, one of yeah, the games... Yeah, I was gonna say, as, <laughs> as we're about to discuss... One of the games on the GameCube is a puzzle game. It's basically oh, Bubble Bobble with Worms. It's a 100% Bubble Shooter. Like, yep. I don't understand... I hadn't really heard of it until, like, Mike said, oh, Worms Blast, and I looked it up, and I'm like, this is just Bubble Shooter. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they were doing with this one. So, Worms Blast was released on October 24th, 2002, Developed by Team 17, who make all the Worms games. Published by Ubisoft. It's also on Windows, PlayStation 2, Game Boy Advance, and Mac OS. If you wanted to pick it up today, it's about 25 bucks, and it rated about a 6 out of 10. So it's like, it's a good puzzle game, but it's not a great Worms game. I think that's the issue. No, it's a terrible Worms game. <laughs> it is not a Worms game. It's just a reskinned, like I said, bubble shooter. It's Worms and Worms in name only, really. It's just yeah. trying, to, <laughs> trying to get that fan base, I guess. I'm trying to think of another example of stuff where, like, a game came out and it's like, this game, and you play it and you're like, no. Oh, uh, Super Monkey Ball Adventure is a great example. Yeah. It's literally an adventure game. You're just rolling around in this ball, mm -hmm. like, fighting enemies and, and, like, meeting new people. Can't jump, can't do anything. Yeah. yeah. It's great. Yeah, that, that, I hadn't ever played that, but yeah, that sounds like that is real dumb. Oh, it's and, terrible. Uh, it's, it's actually infuriating because all you want to do is play Super Monkey Ball. <laughs> a, good, a good example for the Switch would almost be like Mario versus Rabbits. Yeah, yeah. Like, is that really a Mario game? It's just the Mario characters, but but it's also not a rabbits game. Like that's more of that's actually a turn based. No. That's more of a turn based strategy game. Really, it's, it's 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 a it's a properly done Worms 3D. Sure, yeah. If they want to call it that, that's actually one of the better games where Nintendo has given their franchise to a third party developer and they did a good job with it. I don't even want to talk about Star Fox, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not slagging it because yeah, I, I I think I played it a couple months ago again, mm -hmm. and it was a game that I got. For free, actually, because I had a friend that worked at the Ubisoft uh, Montreal office, and he got free games, and he didn't have any systems. So I said, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> nice. So people out there might be wondering why it's called Worms Blast. If you are wondering, the answer is because in multiplayer mode, uh, there's standard... When standard blocks produce a chain reaction, a uh, player needs to collect falling fruits, and if you collect enough fruits in the same color, you get that letter. So B is red, L is yellow, A is purple, S is green, T is orange. Once you get all the letters, you go into a blast mode, uh, and uh, basically all the blocks on the player's side of the screen vanish, and targets begin to fall in parachutes. And then uh, shooting the targets and whatnot, I guess, earns extra points. It's very random. My favorite thing about this, though, is that I read a Metacritic review of the game and it's just quote if you like tearing your eyes out with a spork in a in blinding fury you'll enjoy this sick disgrace of a puzzle game <laughs> yeah um i probably don't disagree with that statement that was actually jason um, who wrote that many years ago yeah that was that was me when i was a noted video game critic and a uh, member of the uh, media still <laughs> i i don't know what they were thinking with it like what like bubble shooter even wasn't that big 
back when this game came out, no. it was more like late 2000s. Now it was big in arcades because it was fun to play like at a bowling alley. You play Bubble Shooter yeah. when you're waiting for your This does feel like a bowling alley game. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it, that's what it is. So Armageddon, which is like the best Worms game of all time, basically, yep. uh, that was the last game where the creative, the actual person who developed the Worms games left. So that was 99. Weird coincidence there. <laughs> yeah, very strange. So it could have been a, a little bit of a pattern going there. So this was when I guess they started to just go outside of the realm of what Worms is. They do say that he left due to creative uh, disagreements, which I'm guessing this was one of them. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. Uh, yep. Yeah, if you took like, hey, here's your awesome franchise, we're going to make it Bubble Shooter. You cool with that? Yeah. So it's not a traditional Worms game, but they did then create Worms 3D on the GameCube, mm-hmm. PS2, and Xbox. Now, this was March 11th, 2004, so about a year later. It's about $15 today. Rate, uh, rated a little bit higher, about a 7 out, or 8 out of 10. Is the, did you ever play this game at all, Jason, on anything? <laughs> no, I, I never played the 3D one. But even just watching the gameplay from it, I don't think I would like it. I think that that rating is high for... It's probably for the time it was like that. But then like looking at it now, that rating has gone down significantly. I think it was because they played Blast and it was so bad that just having anything... <laughs> <laughs> Worms is just one of those games like Lemmings mm-hmm. that it needs to be 2D. Like yeah. you can't go 3D with certain games. Yes. It, some games just have to be flat. Mm-hmm. simple as that i agree oh and and we've talked about this a million times on this podcast already with the fact that at this point in the consoles you know in what is this 2003 2004 we're looking at everything is adventure mode everything it needs to have an adventure mode basically 3d was buzzword yeah, yeah 3d too. adventure mode that's like the way mm-hmm. to do everything and everyone tried it and i'd say 99 percent failed you know a lot of this has to it all kind of goes back with mario 64 which was really the first one to perfect the 3d environment and taking a character who really just did one thing making him into this complete 3d masterpiece uh and ever since 96 uh people have been trying to do it and often failing in worms well not an adventure mode necessarily it definitely falls flat in terms of a 3d because like you said it it just can't be 3d uh but, you know, after so many Worms games... It, it doesn't no, need to No, that's be the thing. Uh, and it kind of is too bad that, like, just a non-traditional... Or just... It's too bad that they didn't... The GameCube didn't have a traditional Worms game. Mm-hmm. Because I could totally see uh, me having a great time with my friends playing, like, Worms Armageddon on GameCube. Oh, that would be mm-hmm. sick. That would be absolutely insane. Because, yeah, like I said, it, I think we would have, like, three or four people around a keyboard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and think about the Switch and now like the Switch where you can have like two or two to four Joy-Cons around playing Worms Armageddon would be awesome. I don't think it's been ported to Switch. I didn't check that before. No, I don't no. believe so. But fun. that's a game where if they were just like, hey, we're re-releasing Worms Armageddon, it'd be like, how much and where? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it feels so easy. It feels like such an easy mm-hmm. win yep. to, to create a Worms Armageddon for Switch. Like I would buy it even though I've never had any association with this franchise i mean and i'm gonna have like all the flashback memories thinking of all like the banana bombs you could use and the holy hand grenades and Mm -hmm. the sheep so i was about to ask you what are your some of your favorite weapons in worms obviously holy hand grenade being the the, the best (laughs) holy hand grenade of course is there um yeah there was uh, there was definitely the sheep the sheep were pretty cool too Mm -hmm. there was one i think it was like a mole based weapon where it would kind of come from like it would go through the dirt and get you and yes. uh of course classic carpet bombs carpet bombs yeah. you can never go wrong hmm. but there was also like the indian nuclear test which around mm-hmm. that time 
they were testing nuclear weapons. That was the one country that was doing it. You know, if this game yeah. was released a couple of years ago, it'd be the North Korean nuclear test. Yeah, that's true. This game was this game was very much sneaking under the radar of being offensive towards veterans. Like a couple of weeks ago, Mike and I we covered the Medal of Honor games on GameCube, and we were talking a little bit about how the game at first was uh, disrespectful towards veterans who actually have the Medal of Honor, and eventually they figured out no, this game is actually very true to. Not very true, but it is meant to be respectful towards veterans. Whereas this one, Worms 3D specifically, I watched the opening scene, and it's D-Day, of course. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. just Worms storming the beaches of Normandy, playing to like this somber trumpet music. Like it was weird. And it's just... Yeah, it's not, uh, not the most... Feels a little toned down. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But I think if they were to do that now, yeah, it wouldn't be like that at all. Like it would just no. be... Not that it was disrespectful. It just it f- it felt weird just watching it because it was like this looks bad, and then there's this weird trumpet <laughs> playing. Like it, it's and it's D Day, and can we talk about the worms? The actual characters themselves Crazy in bones. Worms 3D, they look pretty disgusting. Yeah, looks like I mean, a bad N64 worms game. in general are pretty disgusting. To be <laughs> honest here. Yeah, but 2D they they're kind of like these fun you know like creatures with tons of personality. Uh, and like, you know, they, they look cool 3d or 2d, but when it's in the 3d environment, uh, they look, they look like they weren't meant to be, you know, right. the 3d. I don't know. There, there was just something about me watching that gameplay, uh, earlier. Something just bugged me a lot about it. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it was. I can't put my finger on it, but if I saw it for like five bucks in a, at a store, I probably even wouldn't buy it at that point. <laughs> yeah, the space is so limited these days. Yeah, I mean, the, the good news is it's not like there's anything to, I mean, we're all really busy. We're all going out and about right now. Like, <laughs> I wish I had more free time to play video games rather than play like 12 hours a day like I am right now. So, <laughs> so what about like the Worms legacy in terms of like, how do you think they'll be on Nintendo platforms? Like, I, I don't think we'll ever see Worms as a playable character in Smash. But like, w- would, would you ever think we might see like, I don't know, like a collection come out again or something to that effect? I mean, as we kind of briefly touched on, if they were to release a Worms Armageddon like remake, yeah. I think that would be huge for the franchise. Yeah. The, the That new Worms game that did come out gave them a little bit of buzz, but as soon as people realized it wasn't a good game, I haven't heard anyone talk about it since. And this is also kind of a rare case where the developer is still around and still making yeah. good games. Uh, I'd say of all the games we've covered, most of the time the developer has gone out of business or been bought by someone else and have stopped making whatever game that they, they were famous for or just make really bad ports. That's that's how most of them go. But Team 17 still going strong. Because they have Overcooked, like I said earlier, mm. and, you know, they... Oh, they, they're the... I didn't realize that. They yeah. do Overcooked? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they kill it with that. And and they do other games, too. So, like, they're they're a, a developer who still has a lot of legs left. Well, well now I'm looking forward to Overcooked Blast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Who could who could forget? But, no, like, they're, they're in a prime position to just basically make a Worms game every year to 15 months, yep. and then an Overcooked game every two to three years, and they could probably then just use those two franchises to support making something different if they do want to make a 3d open world game for some reason then make it outside of those two franchises but just keep annualizing those two those two ips well and keep that fan base happy and then make your other things there like don't don't try and wedge that into this this game that is very niche and should just stay the same to keep fans happy yeah like um people that are you know a little bit older than you guys a la me if this like i said if this were to come out again 100 percent would do it but i almost wonder if they'll realize that hey the turn-based thing's the way to go and they'll update the one that just came out 
I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping that'll happen. But um, I mean, fingers crossed. But I <laughs> then it will be a DLC, and yeah, yeah. we're not even gonna get into that. <laughs> um, well, Jason, is there anything else you'd like to say about Worms before we let you go? Yeah, Worms Armageddon. The more I think about it, probably one of my favorite games growing up as a kid. Uh, game I should definitely probably revisit sometime soon. <laughs> mm-hmm, cool. Just gotta find my copy of it somewhere. It's 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 around. You'll find it. <laughs> it, it oh God! After all my moves, it's probably still in Sudbury. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably with that GameCube ad. Oh, yeah. damn it! <laughs> you traded in your Worms Armageddon for that GameCube. <laughs> what a deal! Nice. <laughs> I mean, that would be a really good. That deal, wouldn't be not not bad. Uh, well, thanks, Jason, so much for coming on, and we will see you next time for the baseball episode because no, I know I you can't have wait. you have oh, been. <laughs> I have thoughts on MVP baseball. Let me just say this. Cool. <laughs> All right, take care, man. Cheers. Bye. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you, Jason. Uh, even though uh, through all those insults at me, uh, I still have managed to provide some great insights into uh, Worms and uh, Worms 3D being not the best way to play this franchise. No, I mean, we didn't really end up talking too much about the GameCube games. That is just because Worms Blast is a puzzle game that didn't do all that well. Worms 3D is an okay 3D game, but not good if you're a fan of classical 2d worms games so for that reason we thought it would be more effective to just have somebody on to talk about worms in general yeah and i think it was because uh, that was i think we had a great time talking to jason <laughs> definitely no that was a lot of fun yeah. more entertainment more than uh, educational in that uh, that sense mike let's move on to another uh, rts game if you'll call it that uh, goblin commander unleash the horde <laughs> was released on December 16th, 2003, one week before Christmas. Fantastic. Developed by Jalico uh, USA, published by Jalico. It's also on PlayStation 2 and Xbox, uh, priced around $70 today. I found a very wide range of ratings for this game, which is yeah. kind of a good indication of how this genre is so dependent on who's playing it for a rating. Uh, like someone who doesn't like real-time strategy games is not going to rate it highly. So it ranged from a 5 to an 8.8, depending on where you're looking at your reviews. This looked very StarCraft-esque. I was about to say that. It looks like a StarCraft <laughs> or a World of Warcraft game, and that is actually because the game was created by two brothers, uh, Chris and Ron Miller, who both worked on World of Warcraft and StarCraft. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the first thing when I saw this. I was like, oh, this is StarCraft. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it just looks worse honestly and this is my favorite neil i i i love to find these games uh one of the, the classic games that has the gamecube controller uh buttons uh in view at all times oh no that's bad yep yep that's too bad i was looking it's at the gameplay constant. of this game and thinking like okay this is the type of game that doesn't translate super well to consoles this is this is probably fine on pc oh wait oh, would have been a lot of fun on pc there isn't a pc version of it though <laughs> i i do you think that's because of StarCraft? Do you think that's yes. because yeah. StarCraft was like, there's no way you're putting this on PC? Exactly. There's no StarCraft <laughs> on GameCube. It very rarely comes to consoles. There's a StarCraft on N64, which is random as hell. Yeah, so they had to make a console version just to see how it would do. And I'm guessing not well based on the price because it's super expensive, meaning it's probably rare because it didn't sell well. Yeah, I mean, these games just don't translate that well to consoles right no. yeah I, I and this you know i i give them credit i'm glad that they tried to put games like this on on here especially during the gamecube era mm-hmm. yeah i think i think it does fall fall a bit flat in terms of what you can do because it just it's just so much faster clicking and pointing yes like we talked about this a lot in the sims mm-hmm. and it, it's the same issue right no one wants to play games like this with a controller everyone wants to be able to have a keyboard or mouse and do this very quickly yeah the the real-time strategy genre playing it on pc just makes sense because you have the cursor like you said it, it works if you're one of the players on screen 
mm-hmm. and Pikmin being the other one, where you're playing as Olimar, so you're a little bit more involved. But if you have to select your area of uh, attackers that you want to send into war and then send them in, it's just cumbersome to play with a GameCube controller. And I think that's why Pikmin just really resonates with a lot of people because it has that that RTS style, but is is exclusively created for a console and for the GameCube at that point. Right. This is more of an example of what would happen if they just took the PC concept and copied and pasted it to console, whereas Pikmin is more like, we need to mold this towards the console to make that uh, user experience a little bit more pleasant. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So Mike, I think that's all I have to say about Goblin Commander. Uh, Can I move on to uh, the next game? Yeah, I think so. Sorry uh, for folks out there who are big fans of Goblin Commander. but uh... Some of these reviews today are going to be quick. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Uh, the next game on our list is Future Tactics, The Uprising, which was released on May 10th, 2004, developed by Z2, published by Crave Entertainment. It's also on PlayStation 2, Xbox, Windows. Mike, a Gizmondo version was planned, but canceled (gasps) after... Yep. Uh, Well, it happened right as Tiger uh, Tiger Telematics were going bankrupt, so... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that, that little chestnut. Uh, priced at around $20, this game rates at about a 6 out of 10. Honestly, this game looks more fun than, than the Goblin Commander game, mm-hmm. at least yeah. for me. It feels a little bit like Pokemon in terms of just the characters and, you know, the turn-based style. For me, it reminded me a little bit more of Battalion Wars, which we're getting to. So kind of like if Call of Duty was World War II, eventually Advanced Warfare is Future Tactics. So it's, it's a little bit like that. Uh, just a little bit of information about Z2, because we'll never get to talk about them again. <laughs> uh, they were formed in 1996 by uh, John, and I think it's pronounced the name Ste or Ste, S-T-E. How would you say that? Stay, maybe? It's not a typo. Stay? Stay? Pickford. Yeah, they're brothers, I'm assuming. Uh, originally formed the, uh, a developing company called Zippo Games in 1988. Um, they've worked with. Uh, they also worked with Nintendo and Rare during the mid '90s. Hmm. Um, so they had. A, they were just a small startup company, basically. Um, they, their big hit was Wetrix, a game, fairly big game. It's a puzzle game. Mm-hmm. But anyway, their their game, Future Tactics, was stuck in development hell for quite a while uh, until Crave Entertainment finally funded it enough for it to be finished. And I think that was the main issue: was they had this idea for a game, and eventually a publisher picked it up and said, "Just finish it, put it out." So. It, it does kind of look unfinished to me. When I watch gameplay, I uh, I realized that it was like the, the same thing over and over again. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, uh, it doesn't really progress in terms of the gameplay at all. But yeah, I mean, it's an interesting game, um, but not something that I'm really itching to pick up. I feel like you can probably find this game for cheap, maybe play it once, and then it seems rather forgettable, to be honest. It's kind of tough, too, because there's no licensing in it. So you just have all these new characters, all these new creations that you don't have any background of and it's not you know lord of the rings third age is what i'm thinking of a little bit here too right right? in Mm -hmm. terms of the adventure and going around and having very much turn-based style but you know the characters you know the story you know the missions here it just it's all plopped into this world it's all new Mm -hmm. and it is obviously a bit unfair for the developers because i'm sure they they try hard to create this world and give it some life and meaning but uh uh, for someone just watching gameplay for the first time, when I was researching this uh, game this week, uh, I it felt very forgettable for me. It, it was, unfortunately. But a couple of good things about the game that I want to highlight just before we yeah. move on is the game features a geomod system, which basically means that everything you can see on the map can be destroyed, which oh, okay. t- today doesn't really mean too much. But in 2005, that was a big deal. That is a big deal. Okay, that was actually the one thing that I 
I saw that I liked a lot was just like mm. the destruction of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and the map, and um, and I didn't realize that everything can be destroyed. That's really cool. Yeah, pretty much. Like you could create craters, you could destroy buildings, trees. Like it was all destroyable, which is like like I said, not something that every game had in the early to mid two thousands. No, if any game had that. Right. Exactly. And a second point, the game had a uh, basically a new game plus mode, which. Uh, wasn't really a thing in video games at all back then. Uh, if uh, if you if you finish the game, uh, you beat all 19 episodes. Uh, a change to the turn mechanics in combat is made. Um, instead of your entire team moving at, well, at the same time, only one character can move before it's the other team's turn. So it's a little bit more difficult because you can mm. only move one character at a time, like chess. Uh, so there is that extra added bonus of a difficulty mode if you beat the game the first time. So the game had this... Uh, in, completely uh, destructible environment mechanic and a, a new game plus too so that's kind of cool yeah the combat really feels like just like a mobile game now yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> even even the just like the hud and like, how everything world. looks yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's what these games have kind of become which is a little sad but you know. yeah hey i mean we didn't have phones back then so this exactly. is this is what it was mike let's move on to the next franchise of our episode this is the army men series so forever, Neil, I thought the Army Men series was a Toy Story spinoff. I was going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> I played the Army Men games on N64 when I was a kid, and I thought that they were a Toy Story game because yeah. you had the Army Men in Toy Story 1, iconic scene from Toy Story 1. Mm-hmm. But no, this is a completely separate franchise, very disconnected from Army Men, <laughs> the toy from Army Men from Toy Story. Uh, it's a video game series developed by the 3DO company, founded by EA in 1991. Uh, after the 3DO console, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, it uh, spans from so many different consoles, uh, PlayStation 1, 2, N64, GameCube, Dreamcast, Game Boy Advance, Wii, DS. Like, it's everywhere. You said it's everywhere, but it's not everywhere. It's not on the N-Gage. Yeah. Well, see, that's then, then why even pick it up? Why it's on, bother? It's, why bother? <laughs> it's on the consoles that matter. <laughs> but no, the first game was released on uh, in 1998 on uh, Windows and Game Boy Color. And the last game was released in 2010 on mobile. So this franchise has been dormant for quite some time now. Uh, each each release basically got worse and worse uh, in terms of reviews. It was uh, panned for being released far too frequently. There was 23 games in 12 years. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so they flooded the market with these games. And they were everywhere for a while. I remember that. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. And you still see a lot of these yes. games at stores. N64 especially. I see a copy of Army Men something on every shelf. For like seven ninety nine, just that random price that's not quite five bucks, not quite ten bucks, so you don't buy it. But the Army Men RTS was the last Army Men game to be released by the 3DO company in two thousand two, before they also filed uh, bankruptcy. And Army Men was purchased by Global Star Software, now known as Two K Play. So in two thousand four, uh, Global Star Software published Sarge's War, which is uh, one of the games we're going to be talking about today. So the first game on our list is uh, Army Men Air Combat Elite Missions, which I'm just going to put a pin in this now, is a terrible title for the game. (laughs) So Army Men Air Combat 1 was a PlayStation 1 game. Yeah. And so that was meant to be a spinoff of the Army Men series. And then they made a sequel to the spinoff and clearly didn't know how to name it. So it's technically Army Men Air Combat 2, the Elite Missions. Isn't it like the deluxe version of, of, of the first one, though? No, it's a sequel. Oh, it's a sequel. Okay. Yeah, this is a sequel. It came out on March 25th, 2003, uh, developed and published by the 3DO company. This was their one of their last ones. Uh, it's also on PlayStation 1 and PS2. Uh, it's priced at around 40 bucks. I wouldn't spend that. Uh, <laughs> and it's about a 7 out of 10. Uh, this game is not an RTS or a tactical shooter. It's no. more of a chopper game. 
Yeah, and we just put it in here because the Army Men games traditionally were the tactical shooters. So Right. Just more about the naming convention of this game. I can't get over it. So, <laughs> so in yeah, so in uh, North America on PlayStation 2, it's titled Army Men Air Attack 2. Uh, it's titled Army Men Air Attack Blades Revenge in Europe for the PlayStation 2 and Army Men Air Combat the Elite Missions for the GameCube. So this game has like three or four titles. Bit of a mess. Hmm. Uh, players control a helicopter from the Green Army against the Tan Army. Um, so it's uh, it's just a, it's a military game. Um, I don't really have too much to say about it. I just want to talk a little bit about the the, the reason why they are using Army Men, like the actual toy. You know, the actual toy. Mm-hmm. So uh, the idea of it kind of came from the developers' desire to avoid censorship issues, uh, especially in Germany. So apparently, I didn't know this, but Germany uh, has very extreme censorship in terms of realistic violence. Okay. Uh, and there's a lot of things that you can't do or else they won't just won't publish the games there. So uh, Command & Conquer, the classic series, right. uh, it changed all its units into robots and changed some of the cutscenes in Germany to get wow. it released there. <laughs> huh. So did you find any information about these games in Germany? Like, were they popular? Well, yeah, so so these games worked well in Germany because for them, they didn't want to have two versions like Command & Conquer. Mm-hmm. And very early on in the design process, uh, Chris Wilson, the producer of the original Army Man games, he says that we'd already been planning things out with little plastic army men. <laughs> so we suddenly realized that this is what everyone always likens to a game like this anyways, hmm. uh, which is such a great idea, honestly. Yeah. I think that's like a, a kind of a stroke of genius there because, yeah, they're not people. They're mm-hmm. they're the little plastic army men. They're, okay. they're toys, yeah. And that was one of the things I loved about the original game on N64, which I don't remember which one it was that I played. I think I rented it from Blockbuster or borrowed it from a friend. But... I loved how you're playing in a house, like you're using <laughs> yeah. common household items, almost like a Chibi Robo, which we haven't talked about yet, or Pikmin, where you're like in a garden fighting in like a playground or in a, like a basement, bathroom, kitchen. Like it's just you're using household items. It's just a really cute concept that just tied it so much closer to Toy Story than it already did. But they eventually did get out of the whole cutesy sort of kid-friendly uh, aspect of the game after Global Star Software bought the uh, license. Mm-hmm. So Army Men Sarge's War was released on August 21st, 2004, developed by Tactical Development, also on Windows, Xbox, and PS2. It's priced around $15, which is more in line with what I'd pay for these games. Uh, this game rates about a 5 out of 10, so it's not good. But they they did away with the whole RTS thing, the chopper game. They made this one a third-person shooter, and it's a bit more violent. Yeah, this one feels like... I, it does not look like Army Men really anymore. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> you just feel like it, it feels like just a very generic third-person shooter. Yeah. And I, I know, again, we could have put this with the other third-person shooters that we covered and will be covering, but I, I felt that it was better to just talk about it here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, uh, we're just going to talk about the whole franchise today. So this game, I mean, it's it had basically shooter features in it. So it was like SOCOM, Call of Duty. It had even to the point where characters had their limbs blown off. So it was getting... F- a little too violent i think yeah. that when when global star bought the franchise they'd wanted to really make it gritty and a bit more in tune with what teens were playing as opposed to just keeping it a light game so this yeah. is what we ended up with it was just there aren't too many games like this in the army men series this is just one that was a bit of a gritty shooter and not a good one at that uh, interesting character names we got colonel grim and general pa- plastro i liked plastro <laughs> i thought that was clever <laughs> plastro sounds like a spider-man villain kind of yeah but <laughs> plastro, plastro. <laughs> 
I'm thinking of Mysterio now. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> God, what a, what a great character. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the last Army Men game in the series, which was on GameCube, which is actually an RTS, uh, notably called Army Men RTS. It was released on November 2nd, 2004. This one was developed by Pandemic, who also developed uh, the Star Coronavirus. Wars. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Published by the 3DO company again on PS2 and Windows, uh, priced around $25. This one had a range of ratings from 6 to 8.5 out of 10. This is more of an RTS game now. Yes, this is kind of in line with the rest of the games that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Definitely looks more fun than Stardust War, which is just yep. a knockoff Call of Duty. This is more of a a knockoff tycoon style game almost. This is uh, a more traditional RTS game, really. Like This yeah. game reminded me of Age of Empires and the Star Wars Galactic Battleground, even Pikmin. You, you develop resources, uh, two resources in this game, which is electricity mm-hmm. and plastic, which is very clever. You, I, I thought that was really cool, too. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> you have to collect, like, plastic bits from the real world. Um, yeah. Yeah, like uh, household objects, um, like plates and frisbees and just random stuff lying around. And then you have to collect appliances, plugs, batteries for energy. And that's how you make your new units and trucks and buildings, which is very cute and clever. Um, so in that sense, it is a more of a traditional PC RTS game. One of the issues I had with the game, just watching a Let's Play, was listening to it. is It's very irritating listening to an RTS when you're not the one playing. Oh, oh like, RTS games, I cannot. Like, I need to have something else, some other music going on. Sure. Because I, I can't stand listening to the same, like, three catchphrases over and over again. That's the issue, is that there's there, it's the same catchphrase <laughs> over and over again. It's like when you click on an attack, it's, it's attack, attack, attack. Like, it's the same <laughs> thing. And when you want them to move somewhere else, it's go over there, go over there, go over there. It's the same thing. And it is irritating to listen to. So in that sense, the game is not fun. But like you said, if you're just listening to a podcast or an album, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, this listen game... to us while you're playing this game. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someone is. I love like the whole aesthetic of it. It looks so cool with uh, the pizza box mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and the, the little toy um, roads. They're like these like cardboard roads, basically, that you okay. get to make whatever cities and stuff you want. And you would put them on your table. And it looks exactly like this. It's very hard to describe. <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> doing this. doing a podcast. <laughs> but yeah, just looking at the... Uh... The pizza boxes and the toys, and there's like random wristwatches lying around for energy. Little flashlights. Blocks. It's so cool. Oh, it's really well done. Honestly, this is, of all of the Army Men games that we've covered so far, this is by far the one I would want to play. It just looks like a fun time. Uh, it, it it feels like a lighter StarCraft in, in some senses as well, you know? But I would have to say if I was going to play this game, it would be on PC. Uh, yeah, again, that's the same thing is just this. Why is this on GameCube? <laughs> yeah. it, it just is such a it would be so much better on PC and I'm sure it is really good on PC. Yeah. But anyway, that's all I have to say about the Army Men series. Uh, I think that they're fun. They were definitely a place in time. Uh, I yeah. don't know if they hold up anymore in 2020. Yep. All right. Let's move on to the last game of our episode, which is my favorite game to talk about today. Battalion Wars, also known as Assault Famicom Wars in Japan was released on September 18th, 2005, developed by Kuju, or Kujo Entertainment, uh, published by Nintendo. It's only on GameCube. Uh, again, this game rates as low as a 5.5 and as high as an 8.8, depending on where you look. It's a fairly cheap game, actually. For 30 bucks. this game, that's a steal for $30. Yeah. Uh, the game reviewed very well uh, f- amongst most reviewers. I mean, critically, if you're an RTS fan, you're going to love this game. This is more of a, a tactical shooter as well as it's not just a turn-based strategy game. Uh, and it, it did well enough to uh, warrant a sequel in uh, 
2007, the Wii had Battalion Wars 2. Mm-hmm. And I actually own this game, so I have a bit more experience with it. I picked it up a... Th- was it last, last right year? Right before I, the cottage. Yeah, I picked it up just before the cottage, and we played it there, and I've actually been playing it a little bit this week. This is a really fun game to play. This it's, is... A, yeah, like you said, $30 for a Nintendo-published game uh, is is just a steal in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't see... Most Nintendo-published games, especially for GameCube, go for a lot of money nowadays. I have uh, a feeling that this game is going to be worth a bit more later. Oh, yeah. I think that, I think that was a good investment, Neil. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll I think one thing to talk about a little bit before we talk about Battalion Wars is just the Advance Wars series, which is really interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, like, a little bit. Advance Wars I don't have so much experience with just because it was mainly a, uh, on Game Boy Advance and DS specifically. I borrowed one of the DS games from a friend of the show, Zaffer, a little while ago, and I love them. Those games, though, are different in that they are turn-based strategy games, whereas this one is a real-time strategy game mm-hmm. so uh, advance wars uh released in, on uh, game boy advance in north america on september 10th 2001 which is unfortunate yeah uh just yeah. just before 9 11 which uh, probably didn't help the franchise but it has a huge following um in terms of people who like really anybody who likes advance wars ended up becoming fu- uh, fire emblem fans yeah i was gonna say and vice versa exactly they they're always very interesting games to me and I read a lot about how Nintendo was very hesitant to bring Advance Wars uh, and just the Wars series, which is where Advance Wars comes from, mm-hmm. um, into the West because they didn't think that the West was going to get it. Right. And just because of, I guess, the, the turn-based con- combat. They they also didn't think that this was the style of game that, that people were craving to play, especially mm-hmm. in, in the early 2000s. But they... They had decent sales with the Advance Wars for Game Boy Advance, mm-hmm. and because of this, they decided to keep going with Battalion Wars. Yeah, they, they tried to make it into a 3D game, and I don't think the Battalion Wars franchise sold as well as they were hoping. Uh, mm-hmm. They tried it with the GameCube and the Wii, uh, but we haven't seen an Advance Wars game since 2008. That was the last one on uh, DS. Yeah. Yeah, so it's been I know a lot of people years. who played that game, actually. But yeah, mo- most of my, uh, my knowledge comes from uh, Battalion Wars, which is again like i said like you're it's an active game so it's almost like pikmin in that it's a real-time strategy game except you're playing as one of the characters in a platoon it's a yep. military game you have a gun you're shooting you're in it uh, and you get to control your your little platoon of men you either have soldiers with machine guns bazookas tank drivers etc the list goes on and it's uh it's just a it's a cookie cutter story like it's basically u.s versus russia but they never say that mm-hmm. it's it's actually very <laughs> stereotypical it's it's kind of, I guess it's how Japan would think the war would go between America and Russia. Kind of funny. Mm. Um, but, uh, like, the accents are very thick. Like, it's almost like you're fighting against uh, Drago from Rocky IV. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love the characters that you play as. Like, the, the it's it's cartoony and cute. So it's it's a very good game for, like, a war game for kids almost. Like, yeah. watching it, it looks like Daffy Duck is in these uh, military suits. The way they run is very Daffy Duck-like. It feels, it feels like, like so in my notes here, I actually wrote these notes way back when we played at the cottage. Mm-hmm. One of the notes was that should have been a, a Looney Tunes game It would have been so cool to have, because there was a Looney Tunes military game. I can picture it in my mind, but I don't know what it was called. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't, like, super violent or anything. But even the characters' voices are all, they've got that helium voice. So like, yeah. it's, it's not meant to be taken seriously, even though characters do die. Like you're, when your men die, you see their corpses on the ground. Like there's no blood, obviously, mm-hmm. but there is that. It's not a game that you can just go into guns a blazing with no with no strategy. It is very much like a combat military game. But if you don't have a plan going into a level, the early parts of the games you can get by. But as you get later on oh, yeah. into the game, you need to have a strategy. And if you use your, you know, if you use your bazooka guys in the wrong position. 
you're not going to win. The game does have a few issues with it. And the main one for me was, and we noticed this at the cottage, is that there's no multiplayer. Yes. How is there no multiplayer in this game, especially for a Nintendo game uh, designed and created specifically for the GameCube? I know. Like, it would have been so much fun to play that, like, with friends. Like, like again, we love Nightfire, but it would have been so cool to, like, you and me against each other, yeah. like, in some sort of a forest, uh, like a battlefield, and you have your four guys and I have my four guys. And I, there's not so much resource management in this game, which uh, is a shame. It would have been kind of fun if you could make more units, like, with buildings and, and everything else. Like, you look for... I don't know rocks and 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 uh, I guess supply mm-hmm. drops like to, to to build more units. I was convinced that the multiplayer in this game was going to be through like the Game Boy Advance. Oh god, <laughs> like that because at first we couldn't find it right when we were playing, and I was like, oh, it's got to be probably like a Game Boy Advance connector, you know, like cable, but not even yeah, that. Like, like surprisingly, no. yeah, and it doesn't even tie into Advance Wars at all. Like if you own Advance Wars and you own Battalion Wars, you could do something with the two. I will praise some aspects. I well, I have lots of praise about it. I think it's a really good game. Yeah, but me too. Uh, I think some of the best parts about this game are the graphics. It looks really good for a GameCube game. I gotta say. Yeah, the the art style is something between a, like a not Mario, but that sort of Nintendo yeah. cartoony chibi. You you can picture the Mar the Nintendo animation mixed with a cell shadedness to it. Yeah, and and then the art style of the box art itself is like a coloring book. Like it's it's really cool hand-drawn watercolor painting almost it's neat yeah and i gotta say that the the missions where you're in the helicopter are sick mm. uh, i love yeah. anything with helicopters there's very little games especially in this era where you could play in helicopters especially on a console yeah no i i love the flight levels they look really good and it's very slow moving too so like it's not a game that you really have to have fast reflexes that's another reason why i think it's a good game for for kids mm-hmm. playing a, a military game, it's I think it's rated E, so it, it, you're no, fine. No, there's the, no way it's rated E. Is it not? No. No? There's guns. Oh, hang on, let me they check. can't be. Oh, true. I guess it would be T. Yeah. Uh, the controls do take a little bit of getting used to. Obviously, since you are keeping track of yourself, your other players on the screen, uh, there's a lot of like switching between different characters, so it, it does take a bit of getting used to because yeah. you're not just controlling one person. So if you're just like hot off of Call of Duty or in this era of Medal of Honor, it's going to be a bit of a, a challenge to get used to. Mm-hmm. And Mike, the game does show the GameCube controller at the bottom right hand side of the screen. Yes, but it's not there. It's not there all the time. Though, <laughs> I don't think it does go away. My my one of my criticisms was actually the HUD. I didn't love the HUD when we were playing. It's just a lot going on, and I feel a bit unnecessary. It's a bit cluttered. Yeah, like there's. I mean, it's, it's for the time it was fine, but it, nowadays it it it's, it doesn't hold up that well in terms of the HUD. Yeah, I mean, like it's hard because what else can you do? Like you have to know, you have to know what your other units are doing. You have to have a map, of course, and then occasionally you have the GameCube controller showing you what button to push, and then you have there's voice actors in the game that uh, the text also pops up on screen too, mm-hmm. and that does get a little bit annoying after a while when you're constantly being told how to play the game, and it's the whole game pretty oh, much I know. where you're yeah. being told what to do, <laughs> so that gets a little little irritating too. I do have a little quote here from a thousand one uh, to read oh, uh, cool. about Battalion Wars. I'm glad to hear it made it. It did, yeah. So uh, they say that Battalion Wars mixed cute characters in tactical combat to create a fusion of real-time strategy and third-person shooting, evolving the gameplay seen in Advance Wars on handheld. Players could control single uh, or groups of units and instruct the AI with basic commands. The game didn't skimp on variety, and you had full control of all types, including aircraft and the control system. What's more, the feeling of achievement that came from a successful maneuver and using your own tactics to win a battle made it all the more rewarding. That is one of the selling features of RTS games and 
and tactical games in general is when you finally do beat a hard to beat level like you feel like you feel yeah. smart the games make you feel a bit smarter <laughs> than just like a platformer and where they you, make you feel like spider-man. Make you feel like spider-man spider-man doesn't have an rts that's the shame but there is that <laughs> sense of just accomplishment when you finally do make it through a tough level like you feel like you outsmarted the, the uh the computer the ai, the AI. Yeah. yeah which is huge so this kind of uh, leads in well to, I guess, our closing segment where I would definitely highly recommend of the eight games we talked about today to be Battalion Wars oh, for yeah. obvious reasons. It's the most it's the must pick up title of the eight we talked about for sure. I'm not really into uh, any of these games, really, to be honest, even after looking them up. I don't <laughs> think I'm looking for them. Maybe Ar- uh, Army Men. I almost said arms. Maybe Army Men uh, RTS if I can find it. But for now, I have my Battalion Wars on GameCube. I'm fine with that. I might actually try and hunt down the, the sequel yeah, on Wii. Yeah. Uh, I I would probably say the exact same thing, Neil. Um, Army Men RTS looks like a really fun game on PC. I would yeah. try and pick it up if it's, if it's on Steam somewhere. I would definitely like to play that. And I would love to see a Worms Armageddon on the Switch. Nintendo, <laughs> hope you're listening. Because I would mm-hmm. totally pick that up, even though I have very limited experience with the Worms franchise. I think uh, Worms Armageddon on the Switch is just a match made in heaven. I think there's a chance of that happening. Like, of the games that we've talked about remakes on Switch, last week we were talking about, you know, GTA V or Red Dead on Switch. I think a Worms game, like a a classic Worms game, not a new one, but a classic Worms game or collection is possible. I can see that coming up in a direct. I really hope that that they do kind of keep going with Worms at some some point. Jason talked about how there's the Worms WMD, which did fairly okay. I I know it definitely had its, its issues, but I... It would mm-hmm. be really nice for them to continue with this because, like we said, Team 17 is an active developer, still making lots of things. So this is probably the, I'd say, of all the things that we've wanted to happen <laughs> on the show, <laughs> other than Sunshine getting remade, um, we're, it's this is probably the one that has the highest probability of happening. And it's just, I mean, it's, we're not developers, but it sounds easy. <laughs> like, it doesn't sound like a hard thing to no, do. No, uh, It's not. But I think that I, just talking about the future of RTS and tactical games in general on Switch I, and Nintendo... I think it's going to remain a very niche market with games like Worms or Battalion Wars. I don't think it's ever going to be huge. I think we're going to keep getting tactical games on Switch like Fire Emblem and Pokemon. Those games will exist forever and they'll always be popular. But it's kind of hard to imagine a new one coming out and being huge. For a console, uh, impossible, I would say. I would honestly say Mm. impossible. These games are made for mobile now. They're mobile or PC. Really, that's that's Mm -hmm. the only place that new games, especially non-licensed games can exist they really always were real-time strategy has always been a pc game i mean yes pikmin is good i love it but it, it, it's never been a huge success for nintendo like it didn't sell nearly as well no, as you because know, Pokemon, it is mario very niche like you said and mm-hmm. it's obviously they're great games and will always review well but it's the same as like i don't know some like german new melodic death metal like i'm sure some of these <laughs> albums are amazing in that genre but right. uh, you know it's a very niche thing and not everyone is gonna have any interest in playing these games and that's exactly that's kind of where you there's always that wall right so yeah mike you're completely right i 100 percent agree uh so why don't we uh lead into next week's episode mike why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect on episode 41 of the gamecube is cool podcast oh my god neil we've gone through 40 episodes so far and we're on to 41 with zelda we're talking about the zelda games specifically the zelda collections for the gamecube now uh there are two collections there's the master quest collection and there's the zelda collector's edition collection or something i don't know so many collections <laughs> so, so this this was i wish nintendo did this more we're going to talk about that a lot on the next on that episode but 
we're going to be talking about these collector's editions and uh, specifically talking about Majora's Mask, Ocarina, and kind of, you know, where these games and how these games led to Wind Waker and their impact kind of on all Zelda games going forward. Because the week after that is going to be our Wind Waker week, Neil. So just two weeks of Zelda. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. I can't wait to talk about Zelda. It's one of my favorite franchises of all time. I've played all of the Zelda games that matter, is how I'm going to phrase that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I absolutely adore those games. I actually haven't played either of the collections on GameCube, so it's going to be a lot of fun to talk to you about those, because yeah. I know you own one of them. And we're also going to be talking about Club Nintendo uh, and the Nintendo 64 DD, because those two uh, things play heavily into the Nintendo, sorry, into the uh, Zelda collections. I can't believe we've gone this far in the podcast without talking about Zelda. How do we make it? How do we make it to 10,000 downloads without Zelda? Because Nintendo didn't put a Zelda game on the GameCube until almost halfway through the life cycle. I know, and we're going to be talking and... to a friend of the show, Cam Parks, who is a fantastic Twitch streamer. He's going to be on the both Zelda episodes to talk about his frustration with uh, Nintendo and <laughs> and not yeah. putting uh, Wind Waker on until so long uh, into the GameCube's life cycle. But that will be for next week. Wind Waker is another week. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 40 of the GameCube School podcast. We have new episodes every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other podcast services. Leave us ratings and reviews so we can make the show better. We're the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. Follow us on Instagram at the GameCube Pod and check out our website, thegamecubeschool.com. Share us with your friends, family, and tingle. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. Take care. Bye. For 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. GameCube. If your first experience with the N64 is now, I totally get it. But If you literally asked for it for Christmas and then asked for the controller before <laughs> Christmas so you could work it in, you may have been a big fan of the N64 as a child. I'm not saying that was me, but... That's just a sad story. <laughs> <laughs>